From iHeart Podcast, Supreme, the battle for Roe, tells the story of the unlikely champions behind the landmark case, Roe v. Wade. Starring Maya Hawk as 26-year-old lead attorney, Sarah Weddington. We're challenging the Texas abortion laws in federal court. And Academy Award nominee, William H. Macy as Supreme Court Justice, Harry Blackman. Time is not the most important factor. Getting it right is. Listen to the podcast, Supreme, the battle for Roe, on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. How powerful is Cox Internet? So powerful that one day, your daughter will be able to simulate a soccer match against some of the world's best players right from your backyard. Get gig speeds powered by fiber from Cox. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Internet delivered through Cox's hybrid fiber coax network. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions apply. and being a passenger here on the Wrestling DeLorean podcast. Like I said in the intro, we have a lot to talk about today, and we're going to be going back in time. That is what made this podcast what it is, and we are going to be bringing it back. Not only are we bringing it back here today with the classic ECW, This Is Extreme Review, but we are going to be going back in time and covering every single Saturday night's main event that there ever was from 1986 all the way to 2008. That is 43 Saturday night's main events starting Friday. Every Friday going forward for the next 43 weeks, we will be covering the Saturday night's main event. Think about the array of talent and matches that you'll see. We'll be talking about Andre the Giant. 
We'll be talking about Macho Man Randy Savage. We'll be talking about the Mega Powers. Ooh, yeah, Macho Man in the Hollywood Hulk Hogan, yeah. We'll be talking about Ric Flair, King Kong Bundy, Mr. Perfect. The list goes on and on all the way to 2008 where we'll be talking about DX, CM Punk, Batista, John Cena. The It's, it's going to be incredible. So... Make sure you tune in every Friday if you are a fan of the glory years, if you're a fan of Saturday night's main event. This is the segment for you. You don't want to miss out. Like I said, we're bringing back the classic reviews. Today we'll be talking about ECW Hardcore TV from where we left off the last time. And of course, every Monday it is the fight for Monday night where we go back in time and we review the war. We relive the war. We give our opinion on the Monday night war between Monday Nitro and WWF Monday Night Raw. But today we got to start out with what's going on in the current time the current time period, the current timeline, whatever you want to call it. We're going to talk about Monday Night Raw from this past Monday. It was another stellar Raw. Monday Night Raw has been really good since the draft, in my opinion. I see that there's some hate for Big E being the champion, and I think that's fucking stupid. Big E right now is a really good champion. The man deserves it. Let the man live. I like where they're going with him and Kevin Owens. I like the whole nod to Kevin Owens' contract situation with Kevin Owens saying, whether I'm here for the next three months or for the next three years, I'm going to fight. I like that, you know, we broke the fourth wall. We're going to not be scared to mention other companies, even if it is subliminally, because Big E saying that this is not Mount Rushmore. If you don't know what was meant by that, Kevin Owens, when he was Kevin Steen back in PWG, was a part of a team called Mount Rushmore where it was the Young Bucks, Adam Cole, and Kevin Steen all teaming up and running roughshod on the independents. So that being referenced was a really cool Easter egg on this past Monday Night Raw. I like it. I like that next week we're going to be getting another matchup between Seth Rollins and Kevin Owens. Every time they met up, they had great chemistry and they put on great matches. Shouts to WrestleMania 36 or 35, I believe. The one with no crowd. Where Kevin Owens went flying off of the fucking logo. That was fucking awesome. Great matchup. I can't wait to see them do battle once again. Another matchup that I really enjoyed was Chad Gable versus Finn Balor. I think it was cool that they gave Chad Gable that type of opportunity. For too long, Chad Gable's been a wrestler who deserves a lot more. The guy could be a megastar. He has a good personality. One hell of a wrestler. Great athlete. It's just... When is the WWE truly going to get behind him, you know? The whole Shorty G shit, I think that really stunted his growth. No no pun intended there. But I think it really did stun his growth for a little bit. Because if you remember, before the Shorty G shit, he was fighting against Kurt Angle and Kurt Angle's like retirement tour. Like He was getting high praise. He's still getting high praise. And then they made him Shorty G, basically made him a joke. Then he went heel. He's with, uh, with Otis, you know. I think it's time that we see this guy get some shine. We see this guy show what he could really do because Chad Gable is an un... You know, it's a hidden gem in the roster for the WWE right now who could become a major figure in the WWE. And lastly, I'm a fan of where they're going with the women's division here. Having Becky Lynch have that face-off with Liv Morgan, I think it was very telling. Liv Morgan has been a woman who has been 
really getting the crowd behind her, really busting her ass, and wants this spot so badly. If you follow her on Instagram, if you follow her on social media, if you know Liv Morgan's story, she wants this so badly. And the crowd organically is like getting behind her. I think it's time that we pull the trigger. And I'm not necessarily saying put the title on Liv Morgan, but let's give Liv Morgan a true opportunity to show what she could do. Let her have the opportunity to either sink or swim and show, hey, I could throw down with the top women in this fucking division or show that maybe I'm not at that level. Maybe right now it's just hopes and dreams. But how are we ever going to know unless she's given that opportunity? You know, it seems like after Ruby Soho left the WWE or was released... And Liv Morgan was out there to, like, squander. It looked like there was start-stop pushes with her. When they announced the Queen's Crown Tournament, on social media, I saw a lot of people saying that this is Liv Morgan's opportunity to really show what she could do. And a lot of people were even calling for her to win that. Hell, if you want to go back even further, I saw a lot of people saying that Liv Morgan should have been the Mrs. Money in the Bank. So it seems like every single time there's an opportunity for her, people want to see her win that opportunity. People want to see what she could do. People want to see her at the top. But it's just every single time she gets so close, it's like she's pulled back away. Having her lose to Carmella in the first round of the tournament was not the smartest move in my opinion. I think that I... I mean, I, I don't know. I, I just want to see Liv Morgan get an opportunity. Like, she deserves it. Like I said, if you follow this girl on Instagram, like, the girl really fucking wants this. She she really wants this. It was not announced on the show, but it was on almost every single wrestling news site that AJ Styles is out with a non-injury medical issue. Whether that's COVID, I hope not, you know... Whatever it is, I hope AJ Styles gets better soon. AJ Styles is still one of the best wrestlers in the world, but he did make it well known that after this contract is up, he is retiring. I believe he only has another like six months on his current WWE contract to begin with. So even if he just needed time off a break, the guy's been going hard since the fucking beginning. I never seen AJ Styles take a significant time period off. I've been following AJ Styles' career since 2002, and I don't remember AJ Styles ever taking time off. So if AJ Styles needs a break, AJ Styles earned himself a break. You know, you never really hear about AJ Styles getting injured, even though he wrestles a very high-impact style. No pun intended. You never hear him about being a problem backstage. Like, the guy deserves time off. And if this is the last contract for AJ Styles in his career, I mean, shit, he had one hell of a career. But it's not over yet. AJ Styles having some medical issues. I hope he gets better soon, and I hope he gets back in the ring soon because he is one of the top dogs here on the WWE roster. But, yeah, I mean, overall, I enjoyed Monday Night Raw. Definitely a good show. The show's been a lot more solid since the draft. I like this roster for Raw. The roster before the draft was okay, but it was definitely lacking star power, where now Raw has a lot of star power, which is cool. So let's see where they continue to go with this. As for NXT 2.0, my thoughts remain the same. 
it's just such a hard show to get behind right now, in my opinion. But I do like the little sudden hits of the old NXT. I like the Imperium versus MSK match last week. I like that Imperium is now the tag team champions. I like that Tommaso Ciampa is still the champion. And Braun Breaker had a fucking star-making performance. He, he won in defeat. He won in defeat. He will be a star on this show and in the WWE altogether. It was announced, not on the show, but it was announced on social media that the next TakeOver-like event, I don't know if it's going to still be called TakeOver in this new rendition of NXT, but will be December 3rd. So I am happy to see that NXT is still going to have network specials and have bigger events than what they're having. Hopefully they could get out of uh, the Performance Center and they could have bigger shows in bigger arenas. I just thought that when they announced that it was going to go back to a developmental and a different feel, I was scared that TakeOver was going to be gone with it. So I'm glad that TakeOver is going to be a here to stay with NXT. I just hope that it could continue to grow. And I hope that they once again get back to a point where it's one of the most talked about products in the WWE. Taking things from the WWE to the independents, it was announced that GCW tag team titles will be on the line at the next Ring of Honor show. It will be the Ring of Honor standouts, the Ring of Honor tag team of the fucking century. The Briscoe Brothers defending their GCW Tag Team Champions against AJ Gray and Effie. I think that's really cool. And I think that's a sign of what Ring of Honor is going to be after this hiatus. I think that Ring of Honor is going to be more of an independent where they bring in independent stars. No one's going to be exclusive to a contract, but you're going to have a lot of independent stars come in. Kind of like a PWG. There's no contracts, but independent stars from all over the world come into PWG and they wrestle, they ply their craft. It, it's a cool place to show up. And that's what Ring of Honor kind of was back in the day. Ring of Honor was the super indie where if you were making a name for yourself, you came to Ring of Honor to solidify that spot. You had to solidify your spot on the independence by being a standout star in Ring of Honor. Think about all the indie darlings. Think about all the king of the independents. Have any of them not had a stint in Ring of Honor? Very select few. Very, very few. The, the two that I could think of right off the bat is Johnny Gargano and Sammy Callahan. They might have had matches in Ring of Honor, dark matches, but they never had really a run in Ring of Honor. But everybody that was an indie standout, the Brian Danielsons, the Nigel McGuinnesses, the Samoa Joes, the Christopher Daniels, the, the AJ Styles, CM Punk, Colt Cabana, Adam Cole, Kyle O'Reilly, Roderick Strong, Austin Aries, Chris Hero, Claudio Castagnoli, Davey Richards, Eddie Edwards, TJP. Uh, yeah, the list goes on and on and on and on. The Young Bucks. The fucking Young Bucks. Adam, Adam Hangman Page. Like, everybody who was an indie darling, a star in the independence, became solidified when they had a run in Ring of Honor. It was the go-to place to be. I think where Ring of Honor went wrong was when they tried to lock down exclusive deals. I think that's where Ring of Honor went wrong. Because when you're still running with an independent budget, you cannot run like you're the WWE or AEW. You can't lock these guys down exclusively 
and barely run shows. Now, it was really cool that they paid everybody through the pandemic. That was awesome. But still, it's just the fact that it's time to go back to the roots. And I think that having guys from GCW wrestle in Ring of Honor for the GCW champions, that's very, you know, that that's very reminiscent. That's very old school of Ring of Honor. I remember a time where the FIP World Heavyweight Champion was battled in the Ring of Honor ring. I remember a time where the GHC Tag Team Champions was battled in a Ring of Honor ring. I remember a time where Dragon Gate put on showcases in a Ring of Honor ring. And I think that that's what Ring of Honor is going to go back to. They're going to be going back to their roots. Which is something that I am excited for. Because of the simple fact that Ring of Honor as the independent was the top independent it was a standout and at one point that format of wrestling ring of honor was able to make it to the number two spot in the united states ring of honor got a little corporate not saying that's why they had the downfall but it definitely changed the feel i want that gabe sapolsky style ring of honor back and i think that there's a good chance that we get to see that Not Gabe. (laughs) Not Gabe in Ring of Honor. But there's a good chance that we get to see that style of Ring of Honor. You know what I mean? Fuck running the garden. That's cool. That's amazing. I want Ring of Honor back in the Hammerstein. I want Ring of Honor back in Chicago Ridge. I want Ring of Honor back at center stage. I want to see the heart the soul. I want to see the old school Ring of Honor triumph and come through like a fucking phoenix and rise up out of the ashes. But anyway, I promised you guys that we were bringing back the old school reviews. That's what made the DeLorean podcast special. We go back in time. We talk about the modern day. We talk about the classic days. We talk about yesterday. We talk about yesteryear. Tonight, we're going back to 1997 ECW Hardcore TV. Protesters and supporters alike are lined up outside the United States Supreme Court this afternoon as a decision in the most hotly debated case in years is set to be delivered. From iHeart Podcast, Supreme, the battle for Roe, tells the story of the unlikely champions behind the landmark case, Roe v. Wade. Sir, I graduated the top quarter of my class. We, we just, just don't have a spot for you. Starring Maya Hawk as 26-year-old lead attorney Sarah Weddington for challenging the Texas abortion laws in federal court. And Academy Award nominee William H. Macy as Supreme Court Justice Harry Blackman. My chief qualification being, I'm uncontroversial. You know how we both ended up on the Supreme Court? Politics. Damn right. This may be the longest of shots, but it's also the last chance for a lot of women. Time is not the most important factor. Getting it right is. I'm trying to get you to stand for something, man. Now go to it. Listen to Supreme, the battle for Roe on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Podcasts. 
Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Let's get extreme, baby. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to This Is Extreme, where we go back in time and we discuss ACW Hardcore TV from 1997 all the way to 2001. Today we're going back in time to ECW Hardcore TV from September 16, 1997. We have the ECW debut of Jerry fucking Lynn. The new fucking show is on this show for the very first time. He has a great match with Chris Candido. And in the main event, we got an ECW television title match between Tommy Dreamer, the innovator of violence, and the human suplex machine, Taz. So let's get into the Super Stack show right fucking now. Ladies and gentlemen, I am so sorry that I have not been doing the classic wrestling reviews. I know it is what made this podcast what it is today. And I know I got a lot of people hitting me up in the DMs like, yo, motherfucker, what's the classic reviews? Like, I'm listening to Raw, sitting through your little Raw review because I'm trying to get to the fucking classic shit. And they're like, I never get to the classic shit anymore. Well, guess what? That all changes. I'm going to be going back in time every single episode here. Like I said, Mondays we'll be talking about... The fight for Monday night, the Monday night war. Here on Wednesdays, we'll be talking about ECW, Hardcore TV, and every ECW pay-per-view to come along with it. And on Fridays, like I announced earlier in the show, we'll be going back in time to Saturday night's main event. Every single episode of that. But I already talked about all that. If you didn't already know, check it out on Instagram. I will have all the news up on there. Let's get into this show. ECW, Hardcore TV. We left off last time on September Ninth and lately, the contingency of Rob Van Dam, Sabu, and Bill Alfonso is making it well known that they don't want to be in ECW. They call it a shithole promotion. They would rather be on Monday nights with Raw or with Monday Nitro. So lately, Rob Van Dam and Sabu has been attacking the heart and soul of ECW, Tommy Dreamer, and the Sandman, and burying them under the WWF flag. Somebody who took great exception to this is Taz. Taz wants Rob Van Dam, Bill Alfonso, and Sabu's head on a silver platter. And he also, quote-unquote, wants to show the pussies of WWF and WCW what ECW is all about. And he said that he's going to do that tonight while he is defending his television title against the heart and soul of ECW, Tommy Dreamer. That goes down in the main event tonight. But this show starts out with a franchise Shane Douglas promo, the ECW heavyweight champion. He talks about how he's the top dog here in ECW. That's why he's got the girl, Francine. That's why he got the 16 pounds of gold, and nobody here in ECW could touch him. The show starts out with Joey Styles. He gives a rundown of what we're going to see tonight, including... The clips shown of Terry Funk's retirement show where he wrestled Brett the Hitman Hart, the Terry Funk retirement show. At the end, the ECW locker room came out. They honored Terry Funk. They gave Terry Funk the ECW champion and called him the lifetime champion. 
Terry Funk's last match, quote-unquote, we know he comes back, what, like a couple months later? Terry Funk retires about 12 times after this fucking retirement show. Guy never retires. The guy's probably not retired now. I heard he has Alzheimer's. I heard he's going into a fucking nursing home. But I'm sure if anybody could find a way back into the ring after all that, it's Terry Funk. Because he's the fucking god of hardcore. But anyway, in 1997, Terry Funk retired. I think this was like his third retirement anyway. But Terry Funk is crowned the lifetime ECW heavyweight champion. I love Terry Funk. Don't If anybody took that as me disrespecting Terry Funk, you're a bitch. Because I fucking love Terry Funk, all right? Don't fucking act like I'm over here talking shit about Terry Funk. Terry Funk is a man, all right? He's one of my favorite wrestlers of all time. And he is the top fucking wrestler of all time, all right? Everybody who's a fucking wrestler or a wrestling fan, they'll tell you, hey, while everyone talks about Hogan and everyone talks about Flair, the real motherfucking desperado of professional wrestling who was throwing it down from the fucking 70s all the way to the fucking 2010s is Terry Funk. Anyway, the show starts out with the Big Dick Dudley versus John Cronus. <laughs> Big Dick Dudley loses to John Cronus quickly. Due to the help of Bubba Ray and Devon, which did not go in Big Dick's way, they unload on Big Dick. <laughs> Big Dick Dudley loses to John Crotus because the interference of the Dudley boys goes wrong. Big Dick Dudley's thrown into a steel chair held up by Devon that was meant for John Crotus, but instead, Big Dick Dudley runs into that chair. Afterwards, all three Dudley boys, they attack John Crotus. They're taking him out. They're destroying him. And all of a sudden, the music of New Jack hits. Now, I watched this, unfortunately, on Peacock. So, I got the dubbed over. It's a hardcore thing in the ghetto. Uh, 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 uh. Fuck that shit. You know what I mean? Like, I really hope that I could find footage of ECW Hardcore TV that is not WWE produced because I want to hear Ice Cube. I want to hear Dr. Dre. I want to hear Natural Born Killers. You know what I mean? The That's what New Jack was. That that was the whole aura of New Jack. That Natural Born Killers song was New Jack. Not saying the little dubbed over song is not good. It's just that's not New Jack. You know what I mean? Like, give that shit to Crime Time. Give that shit to fucking, you know, to fucking... I don't know, but it's not New Jack, all right? So, but anyway, I'll take what I get. I guess I'm listening on the, you know, the WWE dubbed over version, but whatever. New Jack and John Crotus clear house. They take out all three Dudleys. They beat the living shit out of the Dudleys. New Jack was hitting them with everything from a toaster to a telephone. Anything New Jack could get his hands on, it was broken over the head of Devon and Bubba Ray. This is the start of the team of John Crotus, who just lost his partner, Perry Saturn to the WCW, and New Jack, who just lost his partner, Mustafa Saeed, to injury. They're both tag team specialists who now are no longer in the tag teams. They decide to join forces. They're now a team. This is the start of the Gangstinators. See what they did there? The the Gangstinators. You take one half of the Gangsters, you take one half of the Eliminators, you form the Gangstinators. You know... ECW was a company that thrived off of originality and creativity. This name was not one of those instances. Even New Jack said in an interview later on, he said he fucking hated that name. He said Paul Lee came to him and said, I'm calling you guys the Gangstinators. And he was like, well, I don't give a fuck. Call me whatever the fuck you want. Just fucking play my music, basically. 
pay me. You know what I mean? That's it. But anyway, the Gangstonators, they, they form here on this show. Next up, we got a singles matchup. No gimmicks needed. Chris Candido representing that triple threat. He comes to the ring accompanied by Bam Bam Bigelow and the Queen of Extreme, Francine, versus the ECW debut of the new fucking show, Jerry Lynn, who, by the way, was just seen on WCW with a mask on as Mr. JL. That was, talk about originality and creativity. The guy's name is Jerry Lynn. You put him under a mask called Mr. JL. <laughs> well, anyway. Jerry Lynn has his greatest success here in ECW, and that run starts with this matchup. In his debut match, him and Chris Candido tore the house down. What a great matchup. I really enjoyed this. It was a really exciting matchup, really fun matchup. In the end, Chris Candido picks up the victory, but a great, great showing and a great debut for Jerry Lynn. So excited to see what he's going to do from here. I know from here he goes into his feud with Just Incredible, who should be making his debut quite soon. And I cannot wait to cover the string of matches, the legendary matches between Jerry Lynn and Rob Van Dam. We'll be getting there in due time. But right now, speaking of Rob Van Dam, RVD, Bill Alfonso, and Sabu are promoting ECW Saturday Night Show this weekend. And they say that there is going to be a rare appearance of RVD, Mr. Monday Night, because he said he much rather be on Raw or much rather be on Nitro. Not in the shithole of ECW, but whatever. He's getting paid, so he'll be there. Then we got highlights of a Mishinoku Pro Showcase, including Taka Mishinoku, Dick Togo, The Great Sasuke. And it is announced that next month, The Great Sasuke will be returning to ECW. If you don't remember The Great Sasuke, Grand Hamada, Taka Mishinoku, Dick Togo, all these guys from Mishinoku Pro put on one hell of a matchup in ECW's very first pay-per-view, Barely Legal, 1997. And one of the big standouts of that match was the great Sasuke, who, by the way, Joey Styles calls him the great Suzuki. It's actually the great Sasuke, if you have the proper enunciation. I mean, I'm not trying to disrespect Joey Styles. Joey Styles is the fucking man and one of the greatest commentators of all time. But his name is the great Sasuke, not Suzuki. But anyway, the, the, the U is silent. The U is silent. Like, like Shinsuke Nakamura, some people call him Shinsuki, but it's not Shinsuki, it's Shinsuke. That's how the great Sasuke says it like Asuka right Asuka spelled Asuka but it's not Asuka it's Asuka so it's not the great Suzuki it's the great Sasuke anyway main event time but before we get to the main event Taz cuts a promo once again saying fuck WCW fuck the WWF tonight we're going to show those pussies what ECW is all about and that's why he's putting up his television title against Tommy Dreamer Tommy Dreamer accompanied by Beulah McGillicuddy here against Taz for the ECW Television Champion. The match doesn't go more than three minutes before Sabu and Rob Van Dam interfere. We get an impromptu beatdown between Sabu, RBD. They're taking out uh, Taz. They're taking out Tommy Dreamer. They once again go to bury the ECW favorites under the WWF flag. But out comes the Sandman. Once again, this is WWF dubbed. I'm sure we would have got Metallica into Sandman, but they muted it on the network. Fuck that. If anybody, if any of my listeners, right, and I got a whole lot of listeners, I love you all, but if any of my listeners know where I could watch ECW Hardcore TV without the WWE Network or Peacock so I could listen to it in its pure, natural, original form, so I could hear songs like Enter Sandman and Natural Born Killers and fucking Thunder Kiss 95 from 
white zombie. And every single time we had the Pulp Fiction promos, like, I want to hear Pulp Fiction. I don't want to hear the WWE's version of Pulp Fiction. Fuck that. You know what I mean? If anybody knows where I can listen to these shows and watch these shows in its original form, please DM me at Wrestling DeLorean Pod. But anyway, the Sandman cannot face off with Sabu and RVD without getting his ass kicked. RVD and Sabu take out the Sandman. And then Taz gets the upper hand. Taz, Sabu. Taz chokes out Sabu. Taz chokes out RVD. RVD is retreating. And standing tall is Taz, the Sandman, Tommy Dreamer. They have the upper hand. And in the end of the show, at the end of the show, I should say, we have Beulah McGillicuddy in the ring with Bill Alfonso. She hits Bill Alfonso with a low blow and then hits him with the DDT. And we instantly go right off the air with Bill Alfonso getting destroyed by her girl. Really good episode of ECW Hardcore TV. I thoroughly enjoyed it. This was an action-packed show from the showcasing of Terry Funk to the debut of Jerry Lynn to a crazy brawl, ECW style, to end the show off. I give this show a strong 3.5 out of 5 stars. I thoroughly enjoyed it. Like I said, we're going to be going back in time a lot more often on the show. I know a lot of people like when I talk about the classic wrestling shit. So starting this Friday, we're going to be talking about Every single Saturday night's main event in WWE slash WWF history. That is a library of shows from 1986 all the way to 2008. Stay tuned for a lot more. Make sure you tune in on Friday for that. Check us out on YouTube. Follow us on Instagram at Wrestling DeLorean Pod. Follow us on Twitter at W underscore DeLorean Pod. On TikTok at Wrestling DeLorean Pod. For all the news, latest updates, check us out on the social medias. Tune in on Friday for a new episode of the Wrestling DeLorean Podcast. I love you guys. I'm out of here. Have a great day. Make sure you check out AEW Dynamite tonight on TNT. Should be a stacked show. As always, we'll be talking about that as well on Friday. Tune in on Friday. Wrestling DeLorean Podcast. One love. From iHeart Podcast, Supreme, the battle for Roe, tells the story of the unlikely champions behind the landmark case, Roe v. Wade. Starring Maya Hawke as 26-year-old lead attorney, Sarah Weddington. We're challenging the Texas abortion laws in federal court. And Academy Award nominee, William H. Macy, as Supreme Court Justice, Harry Blackman. Time is not the most important factor. Getting it right is. Listen to the podcast, Supreme, the battle for Roe, on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. 